Hello, friends. I'm pleased to tell you that the Art of Fitness t-shirts are now up. If you go to www.theartoffitnesspodcast.com, it's the first thing you see. Just click on the image of the t-shirt and you could purchase one. It has the Art of Fitness logo and spiritual, mental, physical, emotional, not necessarily in that order, but you'll see it when you see it. Um, So those are available for purchase. And as always, Anytime you're doing any kind of Amazon shopping, if you go through my portal link on theartoffitnesspodcast.com, a percentage of anything you purchase will go directly in supporting this podcast. So please do that. And as always, if you go on iTunes, if you rate this, if you write a review, that helps me in some way that most people are still trying to explain to me. So please do that for me, and thanks. I'm Steve Serbis, and this is The Art of Fitness. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Art of Fitness. I'm Steve Serbis, and today I'm talking with Ryan Elrod. Ryan is a 34-year-old acrobat and professional functional fitness athlete. Living in Orlando, Florida, Ryan has been a performer with Cirque du Soleil for almost a decade, is a current member of the DC Brawlers in the National Pro Grid League, and is the oldest individual male to qualify for the 2017 CrossFit Games. And in spite of all of this, Ryan is most proud of his family. He's a dedicated husband, a loving father to a four-year-old boy, and is excited to welcome his second child, a baby girl, who will arrive in late September. In this episode, Ryan goes into detail about how difficult it was to be able to say they had a second child coming. He and his wife were in fertility treatment for nearly three years until their doctor found the right combination of treatment to help them finally get pregnant. Unfortunately, the very treatment that brought them so much joy is also the reason that Ryan has been disqualified with a two-year ban from competing in this year's CrossFit Games. Um, This one's really hit home for me. Both of my children were as equally hard come by. And um, when I heard this story, I really wanted to get him on so he can tell his side of the story, what actually went down. So let's get to it. Let's listen to my conversation with Ryan Elrod. Ryan. Uh, hey, Steve. I can hear you. Hey, man. How you doing? Welcome to the Art of Fitness. Good. Thank you. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great, man. We've had some technical difficulties, but we finally are hooked up. We're finally connected, and we're finally getting underway. Um, where are you right now? Uh, I'm at work at Cirque du Soleil Lanuba in uh, downtown Disney. You are a acrobat for Cirque du Soleil. That's right. How long have you been doing that? I've been doing acrobatics with Cirque. Uh, it's been over eight years now. I did five years in Las Vegas at the Love Show. And now I've done just over three years here uh, in Orlando at Lanuba. Man, that is so cool, dude. I, I got to tell you, I was in, uh, I, I did um, my MFA 
in, in acting. And as part of the movement program, we did a small little um, unit of acrobatics. I loved it. Oh, yeah. um, but that is a lifestyle, dude. How long, how long have you been pursuing acrobatics? Did you start when you were a little kid? Were, were you a, a, come, do you come from a circus family? Um, no, definitely not a circus family, but I did uh, start gymnastics when I was pretty young. I was probably around three or four when I just started kind of recreationally and then got competitive with it uh, around six and seven and just did it all, all the way up to through high school. So you were a competitive gymnast, and then those skills transferred into acrobatics. What, what is the difference? If you could tell me, what's the difference between gymnastics and acrobatics? Um, well, gymnastics is kind of, I don't really know how to explain it. Gymnastics is very, like, clean and black and white, and, um, you know, you have a set amount of tricks that you um, are allowed to do, and it's judged, and... Um, you get a score from it where acrobatics is kind of just like being active in like a free running, flipping, jumping, trampoline. Like you can, you can say anything is acrobatics. Flying trapeze is acrobatic. Climbing a rope is acrobatic. So it's not a, there's no bubble of skills. It's um, as, as open as your mind can be. Oh, cool, man. And, and when, when you're talking about doing this for Cirque du Soleil, which is so awesome, man. I'm so impressed. Um, do you have any other jobs that you need to do while you're, while you're in the show? Or is it just like you come out, you do your number, you do your set uh, routine that's part of the, the greater narrative of the show, and then you go home? Or do you have other responsibilities? Um, it it kind of depends on the show. Um, I, I can only compare two shows that I've been in. Um, what, I'm in a part of the, the show, a group called House Troop. Basically, that means I'm kind of a generalist in the show. The show that I'm in right now, Lanuba, is very act-specific, meaning they hire outside contracted acts to do their act. Um, and House Troop kind of fills in the background during said act, or um, it's not like a solo act. Um, House Troop is a group of people that can do acrobatics generally like so for example the six of us um, that are in my group we do trampoline wall so yes we're in the background in the beginning um, we tell the story in the middle um, we help out with the solo and duo acts that are act specific and then we come out at the end and do our act but it's more of a group act man i gotta tell you i could hear i could hear what's going on in the background and um, I just feel like I'm backstage of Cirque du Soleil, and it's uh, it's pr a pretty cool well, you, feeling. Well, you are. <laughs> you are backstage. Right that, now you're on the smoker's deck um, hanging out with the, uh, the guys playing pool or having a cigarette um, or hitting up the vending machines. It's so bizarre. You know, it, coming from... Um, you know the world of, uh, of of fitness. It's funny that you know you're in the world of artistic acrobatics, and all these guys are smoking and drinking in between. In between <laughs> well, not these. not drinking. I mean, I don't want anyone to hear this and get the wrong idea, but definitely not <laughs> drinking. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're our our show is uh, worldwide um, as far as the people that we have. We've got uh, you know Europeans, South Americans, uh, North Americans. Um, Africans so you know their culture like say I don't want to pin it on someone but just as an example like maybe the Europeans smoke more so than Americans so 
right. yeah, during their uh, break, they're having a coffee and a cigarette, and before they head back out on stage. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just, it makes me laugh. I think it's hilarious. Um, and on top of being an acrobat for Cirque du Soleil for like, what, you know, eight years, almost yeah. a decade, um, you're also a member of the DC Brawlers for the National Pro Grid League. Is yeah, the DC Brawlers, that's true. That's my team. Nice, man. And um, how long have you been with the DC Brawlers? I've competed with the Brawlers for two years, uh, or two seasons, however you want to call it. I'm hoping for a third one coming up here. Um, and I love it, man. Uh, brawlers, it's like a brawler family, you know, nothing better than that. So so what came first, the chicken or the egg? Were, were you a functional fitness athlete and then a, a gymnast, functional fitness athlete, said, hey, I have these skills, I'm going to do Cirque du Soleil, or was it the other way around? Were you a gymnast? went the acrobatics route, says, hey, man, I have these skills, I have this strength, I'm going to try out for the National Pro Grid League. What came first? Well, I would say I was definitely a gymnast first and then got talked into acrobatics um, by a um, scout for Cirque du Soleil, like literally twisted my arm and begged me to come. Well, I don't want to say beg, that sounds bad. Asked me to come multiple times. Finally, I broke down and came. Um, joined Cirque and um, was doing just a little local, you know, uh, fitness competition where I ran into Justin Kotler. He saw me do a couple of handstand push-ups and then uh, I couldn't get rid of that guy. You know, he was messaging me, calling me. And so I think then uh, Grid came after that. Nice, man. And so you're, you're a competitive gymnast. You're a... Um, acrobatic for Cirque du Soleil. You are on a professional athlete, athlete. You're a professional athlete on the DC Brawlers National Pro Grid League team. You qualified for the CrossFit Games for 2017. And yeah. on top of it all, you're also a husband and a dad. That's true. The, the CrossFit Games qualification is a little gray, I would say, right now. But um I, I still claim it because I still feel it to be true. Well, we're going to get into that. And, okay. But I, I want to talk about your family. And sure. right now you are, what's your wife's name? My wife's name is Emma. Emma. And you have a little boy, correct? I have a boy. He's going to be five in September. His name is Oliver. And you have one coming, right? I have a little girl on the way. Um, uh, my wife is 30. 31, 30, 31 weeks pregnant right now, due uh, late September. And uh, my wife couldn't be happier, and, and myself too, that it's a girl, because it evens out the house. There will be no more two-on-one boys versus girls. So well, uh, we're all pretty excited. Well, I, I wanted to tell you, that is, uh, that's nice spacing. I have the exact same situation. My son oh, yeah. turned five when my little girl was born, and, um, and it really does even out the house. And also, like you, I wanted to talk about this, wanted to switch gears for a minute. Um, although I feel that's nice spacing, having them that far apart, that wasn't planned for us. And um, we went through a great deal of time and a great deal of fertility treatments in order to have my daughter. Um, we wanted her way before <laughs> that spacing, yeah. although the spacing works. And I understand you have a similar situation. Is that true? 
That's true. Yeah. Um, as soon as we had always talked about having a boy and a girl, obviously was like our dream. Um, our boy came first. I was super excited. Um, probably around we was just before two, we had started, you know, trying again. And, um, uh, so we tried a couple months. It, it had, you know, took, and then, uh, we actually lost one, um, around 12 weeks, which was really heartbreaking because that's kind of the time when they say, oh, if you make it 12 weeks, you're good. You know, don't, you don't have to worry as much. And so when we went for our 12 week, uh, on that one, um, you know, they were only showing about seven weeks and, and it just didn't work out and it was really hard. My wife man, took it pretty hard. I'm really sorry um, to hear that, man. There's, thank there's, you. Yeah. There's I mean, nothing it, worse. It, it, it's, it's really a terrible feeling. Um, you know, I guess it's pretty common after it happened to us, you know, people came out and were like, you know, that happened to me or it happened to me twice. It happened to me. I mean, it doesn't make you feel any better, but I guess, you know, it, it, it's just the way of life. So we yeah. tried, um, or we took a little break after that. My wife was pretty beat down. Um, she, you know, she's, she's very emotional and, and passionate. That's why I love her so much. It's, um, she, unfortunately, she just really felt like it was her fault. Like her body wouldn't allow it. And she was apologizing to me. And I, it, it's just heartbreaking when, when that happens because you don't want, you know, I don't want her to ever feel that way. Um, right. No, of so, course. Man. So anyway, you know, a couple of, couple months went by, maybe five, six months, and we started talking about it and like, should we try again? And so we started trying again. And I think, I think it was about, we actually had another almost similar situation. Didn't make it quite as far as 12 weeks, maybe only like four or five, or it was maybe a false reading or like, I don't know what the medical term is for it, where it took, but then right away it, it didn't. Um, so again, she, you know, kind of felt bad, uh, obviously not as bad, but, and we just felt like we were it wasn't working. And then, you know, the act of making a baby started to become like a chore. And, you know, we would time it out and we would try. And it, it's just started to make things, I don't know, it just, it, it started to go down this path that I, I didn't see like a good ending to. So we, we took a break. We looked up alternative methods. I have, a, you know, a friend that um, had talked to me about it, knew the situation. Um, my wife had a couple of friends that she talked to, and, and so we decided to go the medical route. And um, I went to see my doctor. She went to see her doctor. Of course, they said, oh, no, you're young. Just keep trying. Right. But, you know, two and a half years of, of trying. We, we needed to make this, make a step. So yeah. that's what we did. Yeah, man. You know, I, I always say once you're caught into that, in that cycle, right it's right. just it's two weeks of hope and then two weeks of despair two yes. weeks of hope two weeks of despair and and it's just this merry-go-round of hope and sadness hope and sadness and you know you know you, you get so desperate for for just an answer and and what's so frustrating is when there isn't one and you just keep on trying the protocols and you're keep on you, you get it's like your cattle and you just run through the protocols of, well, let's try this. Let's try IVF with Clomid. Let's try this and this and this and this. And one thing after the next until something sticks. Both of my children were hard to come by. My son took two and a half years. My daughter took three. And, um, you know, when I heard your story, it's just, I feel for you, man. So w let's talk about exactly what your fertility treatment, what your doctor was doing for you so you could have your second child. 
So um, when I had reached out and uh, made the call to make the appointment and I had, you know, talked to him about what I wanted to do, or I went in for an initial, you know, why are you here? What do you want to do? So from that day, he sent me to um, one of those, you know, uh, places where they do all your blood work, your urine work. Um, mm -hmm. I made a, uh, a, uh, a deposit, uh, a semen deposit, you know. Um, and then I'm just waited <laughs> for all the results. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know how to say that and try to sound, you know, cool or whatever. Anyway. No, <laughs> you um, did great. <laughs> so, um, you know, and then you just wait. And uh, when the results came back, um, I had all my paperwork together. And he had said, you know, I've got something for you. You can try this. Um, he gave me a prescription for clomiphene. Um, I took it three and, times per week. And, and, and what is that? What is that exactly? Well, at the time, I didn't know. Since I've been in this uh, situation that I'm in now, I've become quite the Google expert on clomiphene. And yeah. clomiphene basically is, um, from what I have read, it's an anti-estrogen um, right. and uh, can be used. I, I read a lot of like how it's used in female infertility. Um, I let, read a lot on how it's used uh, to wean off of a steroid cycle. Um, but yep. basically what I read on Google and saw Google images of, you know, it, it was just basically like, it, it just took me to steroid forums all the time or showed me pictures of big bodybuilders or, or whatever. Um, right. It, and I mean, without jumping ahead, it, 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 it's my fault, but I don't know how many people, and I, I mean, I've never done this. When I've gotten a prescription from my doctor, I've yeah. never gone home and Googled it before I took it. No, I'm I just with you, man. go to uh, CVS, pick up the prescription, look what it says, three times per week, 25 milligrams, that's it. And yeah. uh, that was back in September of 2016. And, and what did your doctor say that that was supposed to do for you? No, nothing much really. Like, we didn't really have the discussion. He goes, this will help. He goes, if you are, you know, been having your issues trying to get pregnant, take this, give it a try, try for six months. Um, I've got um, some other options if it doesn't work, but try that. And at the same time, I'm explaining to him that my wife is speaking to her doctor going on, um, you know, they're discussing their route. I was just trying to do my part. Um, and I, I guess her, her part took longer to uh, get going, you know, with the uh, injections or the pills or whatever, uh, whatever it was. Right. Well, I did a little research. And in terms of f fertility, for males um, being prescribed clomiphene or clomid, what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to naturally raise your testosterone levels to help elevate your sperm count. Okay. Right? Sure. All right. Yep. Um, so obviously a part of the treatment. And when, when exactly did you stop taking that prescription? Well, we had our appointment for the 12 week in March. I think it was like March 10th or 11th. I have it written down somewhere because I sent it to CrossFit when they asked for it. Um, so I know 100% that I did not take it after that. So let's say it happened to fall on a day and we knew she was pregnant, but obviously we were waiting for the 12 weeks. But I, I'm guessing I didn't take it into March at all because we were so close. But let's say that I did I know 100% after that date, whatever, whatever date it was, March 10th, 11th, that I did not take it. And I even still have the leftover prescription in my house. And you know you didn't take it because you got pregnant, right? Yeah. 
well, we were confirmed pregnant. It was actually about like 12 and a half, 13 weeks when we had the appointment. So once you guys found out that your wife was, was pregnant with your second child, you stopped taking this. Yeah. All right. I just want to be completely clear. And, and that brings us to your current situation, which is, please sh share with us what's going on with you right now. Well, I qualified in the fifth spot for the CrossFit Games out of the Southeast region. Um, and then I was notified, I guess it's been a few days, maybe a week ago now, that um, I, the drug sample I provided at regionals tested positive for clomiphene, and that is a banned substance on CrossFit's banned substance list. And so I'm disqualified from the CrossFit Games and suspended from the sport for two years, not allowed to participate in any CrossFit sanctioned events until July 5th, 2019, which actually takes me out of that season as well. So 2020, I'll be back. Man, you know, Ryan, it, you know, this is, I really wanted to have this conversation with you because I feel, um, I really, my heart really goes out to you because I feel a kinship to you for several reasons. One, uh, I know the amount of hard work that you put in in order to qualify and i know the sacrifice it takes in order to do that and two i know the hard work and the sacrifice that you went through to try to have your second child so both of those things together made me really want you to tell your story and you know i i'm really sorry that this is happening to you um i'm really happy for you that you guys are pregnant with your second child. Um, but I'm really sorry that the hard work that you really put into this season and, and the effort that you put into earning that spot to go to the CrossFit Games isn't working out for you. And I'm sorry that yeah. you are banned. And, you know, I'm wondering and, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, that they'll look at your situation. They'll, they meaning... CrossFit will look at your situation and maybe look at your your prescriptions and maybe consult with your doctor and and see when exactly you stopped um, taking your prescription and maybe just look a little deeper into your case. You know, yeah. And I mean, are are they? Do, are, have you I, heard any I, word? No, and I had hoped so. I mean, the from the original notification to the to the ban was probably three weeks before they notified me. And in that time, I sent them so much information uh, as far as um, my doctor's uh, address and, and, and the prescription that he wrote, a letter from my doctor, the CVS fill-up prescription. Um, and I sent them the results from my from before I was prescribed that medication, I sent them all my blood analysis, urine analysis, so that they could have a baseline to compare it to. Um, I, uh, I, my wife had a, her doctor write a letter that um, stating what our case was in the past few years, showing the uh, DNC that we had uh, a couple years ago, um, yeah. showing the ultrasound date when we confirmed this pregnancy. Just. I mean, I couldn't think of anything more. And I honestly thought when they had initially told me, I thought, hey, they just want to see the prescription. They just want to see that I wasn't doing something wrong. Everything right. is going to be fine. I had the hopes of still going to the games, you know. I was still training from Justin. I was still preparing. 
um, you know, going out mountain biking, swimming. And I, it, it took me so much by surprise when I got that email the other day that, hey, um, I'm not going to get to go, which was a thought. Like I thought uh, the chance of them like not allowing me to go to the games is maybe it's a 50-50. I don't know. But the two-year suspension, it, man, it, it just hurt so bad. Like I just kind of read the email, told, looked at my wife and said, they, they suspended me for two years. And she kind of laughed, like, are you serious? And I was like, and I showed her the email. And, I mean, she cried um, she, cause, because she knows, you know, um, but um, it, it's, it's hard. Even, to, even now, I mean, it's only been a few days, but I can't not think about it at all times of the day. I still try to go to the gym to get away from thinking about it. I tried to go to, you know, we went to a baseball game two days ago to try to, but I just find myself quiet when I'm around my family because I'm thinking about it and I don't want that. Yeah. And it's just, man, I don't know. I mean, I just, I don't know how to feel about it, how to think about it, how not to think about it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've got so, amazing support from, from, you know, my community around here and, and people that have reached out, but, um, yeah, you know, and that means a lot. Uh, so I appreciate that. Yeah, man, you know, and I don't, I don't really want to beat a dead horse here because I know this is upsetting for you. And, but, um, I, I just want to, you sent all of these materials. Did, did you, did you receive anything back? Um, any sort of correspondence saying that, you know, we reviewed your materials, but we still came to this conclusion or no, are, are, um, it was so a very, you don't even know if, if they even, if, if they I don't even know if they that. put it in a folder or a shredder or, or anything. Um, I didn't receive any sort of like, I was a very generic email. It said, you know, uh, Mr. Uh, Elrod, it, it, it was said, I could, I mean, I could probably read the email. Mr. Elrod, after review, we've decided to, um, you will not participate in the CrossFit games and you will be banned for two years. Um, and then it says you're placed on a, uh, in a, testing pool um we can test you at any time over the next two years if you fail another test your suspension will be longer um yeah so and then i i reached out and i asked i said can i at least see the results of the test like can i see something that you guys see did you even read my stuff did you look at it and i just i've got nothing back well, I'm really sorry to hear that, man. And, you know, I mean, I, you and I don't know each other, you know. I'm at, at, at Full disclosure here, you and I don't know each other. I heard your story. I really wanted to give you a chance to, uh, to get it out there. You know, maybe, I, you know, I don't know what the results were anyway, but you seem like a very genuine person. Uh, you seem like you're, you're very open and honest and... You know, maybe maybe somebody will hear this and um, and give your case a, a, another look. And, yeah, uh, I, I appreciate Because, you that. know, I mean, the thing is, Ryan, is that there there are cheaters out there, you know. And if if um, in CrossFit's defense, you know, they I understand how they have to draw a line in yeah. the sand. Well, but, and I'm I'm on board. Know, I'm on the same page. Um, I agree. I I see i mean it didn't i was actually irritated at first because like this clomiphene isn't written on here 
And then obviously when you find out, hey, it's in this category and the categories listed, we don't list all the drugs individually. And I said, okay. So I agree. I think that they're correct in the sense that like, hey, I took this. It is on the banned substance list and I broke the rules. Okay. And I am completely transparent and that's fine. Um, I had apologized for misspeaking, saying that it wasn't on the list. Um, and I apologize to CrossFit for taking that without being knowledgeable of like I should have checked first and any everybody should check um, I, I didn't know that and I, I feel like that is my fault 100% um, and I don't disagree with not being able to go to the games because if they're saying that this medication is banned because it gives you an edge then I don't want to go to the games if people feel in any way that I achieve that unfairly or I had an edge I believe in my heart 100% I didn't have an edge those regional workouts were what I would pick for regional workouts if I could pick. Maybe not the deadlifting kettlebells, but you know, pretty close to that. I mean, that regionals when it when it came out, I was stoked. Like I'm, I have a chance, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I agree with the with the punishment. I mean, I just think it's harsh because I look at past punishments and, and what people have admitted, and they got the same time. So. I don't blame CrossFit. Um, I don't blame CrossFit for taking action or if they're making an example and they want to show like, you know, we have a zero tolerance, then that's awesome because I want it to be a fair sport. Um, I just feel crap that I'm on this side of it, <laughs> but I guess anyone yeah. would. Um, so, you know, that, it is what it is. I just have to wait my time and come back at 37. Hmm. All right, man. Well, Thanks a lot for sharing your story, and um, yeah. and I appreciate it. And you know, I, I once again, I I hope that maybe they'll take another look at your case. And you know, I mean, we're running out of time, but you know, my hope is that maybe you'll get a phone call from yeah. somebody that that makes decisions. You know, I hope uh, so. Um, all right, man. But I'll tell you what, this isn't. Uh, this forum and and my format and what I want to do here, you know, I I really want to get into the questionnaire because I think you are a champion, and um, and I want to pick your brain with this questionnaire so let's people can can steal some shit from you and make themselves better. Does that sound right. good? Yeah, let's do it. All right, section one, the physical. How many meals do you eat in a day, Ryan? I eat at least five meals per day. I'm somewhere between five and seven. Excellent. And in percentages of fats, proteins, carbs, what's your macronutrient breakdown? I have per zero meal? clue. I don't even know what a macronutrient is. I eat Ex anything. <laughs> you, you just eat and go. Eat, eat and go. Eat and go. Great. If how I have time. How much time do you take between eating and training? Uh, well, it depends on how late I am to, that I said I was going to be at the gym. <laughs> but I'm not against taking my food with me in the car and eating it and then driving to the gym. As long as I can pick up a coffee on the way there. So you can, you, you're the, one of those cats that can absolutely shove something in and just go right to work. Yeah, I'm ready to roll. I, I have right. zero digestion time needed. No 30 minutes after eating do I go in the pool. It's right away. <laughs> How often do you train in a day, Ryan? Uh, once per day, um, maximum. Um, I think my wife would probably divorce me if I had made it any more times than that. However, I will say that I can kind of cheat it a little bit where I can make my way to the gym for two hours in the morning, um, three to four days a week. And then depending on what I'm doing in the show at night, I do have a little time to do some accessory work. So 
that could be counted as a training session, but uh, usually it's, it's about two hours, four days a week. Okay, great. So uh, last question, what does a typical training day for you look like, or does it, ma does it depend on your schedule? Uh, do you, does it differ daily? Do you just try to get the work in when you um, can get it in? Yeah, I just try to squeeze it in. Um, I, I, it mostly it's, it's three to four days a week, and I'm excluding the, the Saturday is the fourth. Um, and it just depends on what my kid and wife have planned for the Saturday. Like if my kid now is playing indoor soccer on Saturdays, I'm going to go to that and skip the gym. Um, and then just hope to get a little training session in Saturday afternoon while I'm at work. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it'll be gym in the morning, maybe like a 10 to noon or 9.30 to noon. Um, head home, take my kid to the pool for a couple hours, eat lunch, and then uh, head to work. All right, man, great. And we're just going to keep on rifling through this, man, we're in rapid-fire rapid fashion. Yeah, so um, we're going to go on to section number two, the mental, because I know you have a hard out. You're in Cirque du Soleil, and you have a show in a yeah, little the while. the show starts in a little bit. <laughs> All right, man. So number section two, how would you describe your state of mind while training? During a training session, um, I've noticed this in everything, and it's not just a training session. It's uh, whatever sport I play. If I'm in a good mood, I just – train and perform better if i'm thinking about too much stuff which seems to be a lot lately or my mind isn't there uh, i don't have as good of a session and then i get frustrated with it so you just have to be light light-hearted light thoughtful and you know just kind of roll with whatever comes up you know you can't look at a program or a workout and be like oh, i hate deadlifts i don't want to do that that sucks because then i don't really want to do it if i say it out loud it's probably going to happen so I try to just be like, let's do it. Let's just keep rolling. I just try to, I basically just try to not let Cassidy Lance outlift me. Like if she's deadlifting 225, I'm at least putting 230 on. <laughs> and if you could liken your mental state in competition to a type of organic or inorganic substance, what would it be and why? You know, I don't really know what to think of this question. So I'm just going to go with my initial thought when I read it was like, I, I think of Jello, and I don't even know why, but red Jello, because yeah. you can like pick it up and, and shake it and move it, and it's always going to be the same substance. Yet it's so like formable to whatever it's doing. You know, it can fit anywhere, it can go anywhere. So I think kind of like in my head, it's kind of like thinking on the fly or being able to adjust on the fly, like red Jello. Perfect. Imagine this scenario: you're holding a baby in your right arm and a cooler holding a vital organ to be delivered to a loved one in need in your left. You come to a canyon. The only way across is via zip line, which requires one of your hands to hold on with. What do you put down? What do you take with you, the baby or the organ? Oh, man. And so we're not allowing any circus skills like zip lining on the back of my knees or something? Dude, you have these skills, so you could, you could use them. I mean, if, if, I had, if I was able to zip line on the back of my knees, I would take both. Um, when I originally saw this, it was probably the hardest question on the questionnaire, and um, I'm, I'm going to answer it the way that I had morphed it to where I don't seem like such a jerk, but I'm going to assume that the baby is of, like, I'm going to call him like a toddler, so that he can kind of, you know, be on his own a little bit, because I'm going with the organ uh, family over everything, man. All right, great. And... Number four, I'm talking over Cirque du Soleil here. A news broadcast just reports that the Earth is going to be struck by an asteroid the size of our moon. Officials have known about this for some time, but the asteroid is predicted to hit within 24 hours. 
This will mean a certain end for our planet. How will you spend your last 24 hours? Well, that's easy. I'm staying with my family. I'm probably going to teach my five-year-old how to drive, you know, or <laughs> go shooting with my British wife that doesn't believe in guns. Um, just try to live it up. The, but, uh, you know, sticking with, sticking with the three and a half of them I've got right now. Great. This is a two-part question. When is it essential to lie, and when is it deplorable to tell the truth? I think the truth is always the way to go. I mean, it's better to just be open and honest, and then you're gonna get the you're gonna get the items and the people around you that you deserve because you are the truth. You're portraying the truth. You're telling the truth. So the people that stick with you, the things that you gain from it, it's what you truly deserve. Now, as far as lying, I mean, it's probably okay to lie when maybe your spouse is yelling at you and she's mad, I don't know. But, um, uh, you know, maybe to spare her feelings in the nicest way, um, you know. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what I got. Great. Who in history, real or fiction, would you describe as resilient and why? Uh, I'm a Dallas guy, um, born and raised in Texas, grew up in Dallas watching the Texas Rangers. And um, I'm going to say Nolan Ryan, the, the Ryan Express. Um, he was a pitcher for the Rangers uh, when I was watching. And um, I'll never forget the game that I got to see when uh, Bo Jackson hit a ground ball, hit him square in the lip, kept on pitching, um, blood dripping down his jersey. Or when... Uh, the White Sox guy, Ventura, charged the mound, and Nolan put him in a headlock and just, you know, went to town on him. Uh, yeah. It just shows, like, that old-school kind of, like, you know, farming, hardworking, you know, just because you're bleeding doesn't mean you got to, you know, throw up the X and everyone has to be aware and you got to patch it up before you're allowed to play. I mean, that's life, man. you just got to keep on going. Yeah, man. Well, Ryan, we're on coming on to sexual, Section 3. Um, but it's it's about ten of the hour. Do you need I'm to good roll? to keep going if you want to if you want to keep going. I will, and we'll we'll try to pound these out. So All section right. number three, the emotions. What is your idea of perfect happiness? Just not really having a, a worry, you know, not having like right now. Obviously, I've been thinking about this CrossFit stuff. I would say that I'm not super happy um, because my brain is constantly on. Maybe perfect happiness is just. Your, your brain being off, your eyes, being, ears, and heart being on, and, and that's it. You know, if there's some way to turn off the brain and the thoughts and the worries and the stress, um, I, I would flip that switch, you know, 10 times out of 10 every time I'm home hanging out with the family. What is the opposite of fear? Mm, confidence, maybe. Like, I don't, I don't know why, I was just looking around where I'm at at my work, I'm thinking if I'm scared to do a trick or I'm standing on top of the building and I look down and it seems far or if uh, I'm confident enough to know that I, I, I've trained that and I can do that. So the opposite of fear for me would be confident knowing that I would make it. Excellent. And finish this sentence for me. Love is... Sorry, man, you cut out. Love is... Yeah, love is blank. Finish that sentence. Love is constantly wanting more. Okay, excellent, man. That's a great, 
That's a great answer. What recurring trait do you notice about yourself that makes you angry? Um, I've actually talked to my wife about this recently. Um, I feel like maybe I get annoyed by people a little too easily. Sometimes I uh, find myself, you know, maybe being a little rude or not giving a chance to someone who's, you know, possibly annoyed me. And, and I wish I could uh, be more open, um, especially around here. Um, not that it happened around here, but I see, you know, the wide variety of cultures of people that I work with, the acceptance that everyone seems to have for each other. Um, number one, you know, we're all, uh, you know, performers in some way and everyone has their own talent. So um, the acceptance I see around here and then uh, I want to embrace that more. I wish I could uh, do better with that. When do you experience sadness? When? Yeah. Um, again, whenever my brain is working too hard, man. I, uh, <laughs> a, a lot of times, actually, I do a lot of my thinking. I, I could probably, you know, a lot of people probably relate to this. I do a lot of my thinking in the shower or driving by myself. Um, sometimes I'm driving for 20 minutes and I realize the music's not on. And I like, well, what's going on? It's because I'm just thinking. And I've, I lost my father a few years ago to uh, to cancer, and um, I find myself thinking about him a lot when a, a song comes on on the radio or something. And um, that that you know, driving, I would say, I, my my stupid brain gets in the way. So you're sad when you're driving. I'm sad when I'm driving. Not angry and not dangerous, but maybe just sad. Yeah. I don't know why. I love driving, too. It's great. But those are the times where you really you really hit the uh Yeah, the I think, think so. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about the last time you were genuinely surprised. <laughs> uh, when I got the email from CrossFit the other day? <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, that was a surprise. Um, no, the, the more sincere and genuine answer would be... Um, each, each time now we go to the, uh, my wife's doctor to either do an ultrasound or, or anything, um, obviously when we found out, but each time now when everything is still going well and everything is fine, we did our hospital tour the other day, um, and it's just like there's no better feeling, and I'm genuinely happy and surprised after each appointment at how we were just able to accomplish what we accomplished together. Yeah, man. Rock solid. I mean, seriously, it's just huge. Um, what word or action incites a feeling of disgust in you? Uh, what word or action? I mean, I see someone maybe getting bullied or, or, or some sort of uh, racism. Uh, it just, I mean, come on. It's 2017, guys. It's, it's over now. Like, let's all just accept each other and live on this earth happily together, right? Like, yeah, There's man. no more like, uh, oh, because you're this color or you, you know, this gender or you're, you know, gay or straight or, or whatever. It's all, come on. Nowadays, it, does, it doesn't even matter. Excellent. Final section, number four, the spiritual. <laughs> what is your definition of the spirit? Um, I think just, just a higher being, a higher power, something that you can't see or control, but, you know, regardless of what you believe, um, whatever, it, I mean, whether you believe in God or not or, or anything up, up above or below, you always 
find yourself looking up or, or somewhere and, and asking for help when it's hard or, or you know, permission just or praying or, or whatever it is. So there's not, for me, there's not one specific name for this spirit or God or whatever, but there's definitely a feeling of higher power that you can't see or control that um, gives you comfort to reach to. Excellent. What happens to us when our bodies die? Um, this one I like because I feel like depending on how you lived and the impact you had on people or the events you did in your life or the people you impacted, you live on forever through stories, through memories. Um, even if it's a funny story like, hey, remember when I backflipped off that boat going 50 miles an hour? Uh, you know, somewhere down the line, your friends are going to tell their kids. Their kids are going to say, I knew this guy that did this. So I think you just, I think you live on forever via stories and memories and just stuff like that, whether it's good or bad. I mean, you can definitely look at some terrible things in history that people remember and talk about. Um, so I think you live on forever. I love that. Name one event in your life that you can most closely describe as a miracle. I mean, I hate to keep bringing it up, but the, you know, the, the second baby, the, the girl that we're going to yeah. have. That's, uh, yeah. I mean, I definitely look to a higher power for that, for help, you know, aside from going to the doctor and, and doing all the things wrong via CrossFit-wise. But I definitely, you know, asked and, and pleaded. And for me, for my wife, I, 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 I asked something, someone, you know. I looked up, I looked yeah. down, I looked around, and I, I, I was hoping for help. And you got it, man. Got it. So far, so good. When do you feel most connected with creation? Most connected with creation, like, like with Earth, maybe, or, or is that kind of where we're going with this? Or am I free yeah, to take whatever, it where I want? Whatever, whatever that, whatever that question means to you. Um, I would say there's this period of time when, um, like. I don't know, now with a kid too and, and a couple of dogs, I'm always like, oh, you know, don't, don't roll around in the grass. There could be dog poop or make sure you wear your shoes when you go outside because you're going to attract, you know, black tar in, in the house from the street. But there's, there's a carefree moment when you can take your shirt off and run up and down the grass barefoot and roll in the grass and not care about being itchy or dirty or anything, play in the puddles when it's raining. Um... The, those carefree moments are what it's all about for me, um, I think, in, in that question. So, you know, just just being able to use what the earth gives, whether it's rain or, or, or anything like that. Um, so that, that's, what I, that's my answer for that one. That's great. What is the thing that is the closest resemblance to absolute truth for you? Um... I think I get a kick out of it every time uh, now. Uh, when you look into like a kid or a toddler's face or they tell you something, you, you know it's the truth because they haven't learned how to lie. <laughs> you know what I mean? They don't know yeah. how to be deceitful or sneaky yet, uh, right? So when you get like the yeah. three and four-year-old answers of, of a question that you ask, that's the closest thing you're <laughs> ever going to find to pure truth that you, you, you'll ever hear. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't agree more. You know what I mean? And 
I totally know what you mean. And the uh, final question. Why do you feel you were put on this earth, Ryan? To, to help, to help, you know, to make a difference, to impact people for the better. Um, I never feel better than when I'm coaching someone that's trying to learn something and I help them than when I see that they got it. Um, I don't know if it's a selfish feeling of, of good, but to see them happy makes me feel good. So I hope it's not selfish because it makes me feel good. It's great, man. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you uh, yeah, for having man. me. And thank you for carving out some time out of out of your busy schedule. I know you got to get on stage. Yeah, I've got um, like one minute they're calling for me. Okay, well, before you go, how can the audience connect with you? Um, reach out on Instagram. I've got Instagram, and that's the only social media I use. Um, so if you just look me up, I'm rlrod or relrod57. Um, and that's my Instagram. So anyone can reach out to me. Um, I try to do my best as far as keeping up with it, um, you know, but I'm getting to be an old guy and don't know so much about technology, as you know, of us trying to connect. So <laughs> I do know. I do know. But, you know, man, I, I just want to say before before you give us some parting words, I just want to say thank you so much for being so candid. Thank you for telling your story. I hope um, for your sake that somebody takes another look at your case again. And, uh, you know, I wish you well in whatever you do. But before you go, can you please plant a seed for the audience? Give us a morsel of inspiration before we say goodbye. Yeah, I, I mean, um, I, I just want to, you know, first say thank you to you and, and to everyone um, who's reached out and supported. Um, you know, uh, and what I think is, is just be yourself, you know, just be pure and, and transparent and honest and truthful about everything. I've learned that a lot, you know, recently and had to use it. Um, it just, it makes, it makes you feel better and there's not as much to try to remember. You're like, just, just be you and you're going to attract the best of, of what you want. Nice, man. Ryan Elrod, it's been a pleasure, brother. Thank you very much.